I'm through with standing in line The clubs I'll never get in It's like the bottom of the ninth And I'm never gonna win this Life hasn't turned out quite the way I want it to be Tell me what you want I want a brand new house On an episode of Cribs And a bathroom I can play baseball in And a king size tub big enough for ten plus me yeah, what you need I'll need a, a credit card that's got no Full of old guitars My star on Hollywood Boulevard Somewhere between Cher and James Dean Is fine for me So how you gonna do it? I'm gonna trade this life For fortune and fame I'll even cut my hair And change my name Cause we all just wanna be Big rock stars and live in hilltop Bosses driving 15 cars The girls come easy And the drugs come cheap you're listening to 2-5 and 10, your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. Welcome, 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 everybody, to the final four of hockey. Uh, before we get into all of that fun and excitement with the NHL playoffs, a couple other things we need to touch on, I mean... Benny, Gerard Gallant looking for another taxi, but thank God it's in New York, so at least he can find one. Yeah, he has a plethora of uh, public transit options to get his ass home. Um, Gallant, they said, mutually agreed to part ways. Uh, This one, I actually agree or believe that both of them agreed to part ways, Jury and Gallant, because there was some friction there throughout the year. Uh, Another sourced story came out yesterday. That said, if the Rangers didn't come back and beat the Blues in December at home, uh, Jury had made the decision during a second intermission of fire Gallant, and but they came back and won. And he talked to uh, the, some of the players, the veteran leadership, and they're like, "Let give us a chance to turn this around." And that's what kept Gallant on. So he was almost fired in December. Um, that's how bi- poorly they were playing. Obviously, the Rangers went on a run. Uh, finished over 100 points, went to the playoffs again, got bounced in the first round. I mean, it's not an upset. The Devils had more points than their talented team, but everybody expected the Rangers to build off of what they did in last year's playoff run. So disappointing for them. And then Jury kept him twisting the wind for a week after the Rangers were eliminated. No statement showing confidence, no dispelling rumors of if Gallant's going to stay or go, which apparently pissed Gallant off. So uh, they agreed to part ways. The Rangers are looking for another head coach two years after hiring Gallant. And uh, I mean, we can go back and listen to the tape of the episode when we were talking about the Rangers bringing Gallant in. And I said, they, he's not an X's and O's guy, but he's the type of coach that can get, help him go on a run more than someone like David Quinn. Apparently Quinn just, the veteran guys despised him. Uh, the way he treated them, like they were all college kids that needed a stern hand of discipline, is how they put it. Um, and Gallant was more of a player's coach. And what ended up biting him in the ass? Too much of a player's coach and not enough adjustments. And that was an ongoing complaint all year with me when we would talk. It's like, the Rangers will start out strong, either in 
a game or a month, the other team makes an adjustment and there's nothing there. And that's what we saw in the New Jersey series too. First two games went well. Lindy Ruff made some adjustments and Gallant had no fucking answer for it. He just kept rolling out the same power play, same lines, same structure, everything. And he was just hoping like he did in his two-year run here. Well, eventually the talent's going to, on my roster, is going to get me a W. And it didn't this time. So he is out of a job. I think he'll be taking a year off. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets another job somewhere else. Um, but he basically has a two-year shelf life wherever he goes. Florida, uh, when he was like going Columbus, Vegas, and now the Rangers. It's basically two years, three years max before he wears out his welcome. And now out of New York, I mean, any uh, updates as to interviews or interests in head coaches? Yeah, so Joel Quenville is not on the list for Chris Drury. They have no intention of asking Bettman if they can interview him for reinstatement. Uh, the list apparently is pretty short, and Drury has said NHL head coaching experience is not a requirement. He's just looking for the best fit. I would be stunned if you take a team that is near the cap, that is one of the few teams in this league that is expected to compete legitimately for a Stanley Cup championship, and you bring in a rookie head coach. And when I say rookie head coach, I mean has never led a team either in the minors or the NHL. Like someone like Jay Leach, I know he's highly thought of. I would be surprised if they bring him in. First go of it in New York for a team that's going for a Stanley Cup. That's a that's a rough gig for somebody. Um, so the list of people they've been talking to, and uh, apparently they've set up interviews. Jay Leach is one. He's a very respected up and coming coach. I'm not surprised there. Um, Ricard Gromborg from. Sweden is on the list, and he's been one of my personal favorites for a couple of years now. Um, I know your thoughts on him are it's kind of a tough spot to bring in a European coach in New York uh, with what's going on. Peter Laviolette is on the list, but apparently Columbus is gunning to make him their next head coach. So that needs I, that's I, that's all you need I, to know about where Columbus is at when it comes to are they going to be trying to go for it again this summer to get back into the playoffs or are they going to transition? They're going for Laviolette. They're going for it. I love Laviolette. Uh, I've loved Lavi for years, but yeah, the other coach that has been confirmed, Mike Babcock. Now, if you're, if you want to go from a player's coach in Gallant to Mike Keenan 2.0, <laughs> Babcock's your man. I, I mean, um, in fairness, right, like when you look at certain shit, just kind of up and down, and regardless of Babcock's past with Marner in Toronto, if you look at the whole layout of work, whether you think he's a fucking asshole, whether you think he's an X's and O's genius, he wins games, right? And at this point now, I mean, aren't you guys just kind of looking for a closer if you can keep majority of that roster together? I mean, dude, I, told, I said last episode, I, I will sell my soul for a Stanley Cup. I don't care who needs to come in, who we need to acquire, who the head coach is. If they're going to win us a Stanley Cup, I don't give a fuck. If Babcock is that guy, bring him in. Like, I have no qualms about it. The other thing is, like, I'm sure 
Kako and Hedl and Lafreniere and Miller and these guys would be like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. If they brought Babcock in. But really, what the Rangers should be looking for, and I'm sure they are, they need to find a guy who builds the system around the roster, not here's my system and the roster needs to fit it. And that's what Gallant tried to do. He tried to turn Panarin into a two-way, 200-foot forward. And last playoff run, even though he went to the conference final, he had a rough playoff because uh, he was limiting himself to try and not make mistakes. And his playoff run, he said his confidence was shot because he was told more than one time, if you make a fucking mistake, you're benched. And that's why Panarin wasn't doing shit. He had two assists in the entire first round. So he is a he is a confidence-motivated player, so that didn't help him. The Rangers need to bring in a guy who's going to find ways to maximize, obviously, the guys on the roster, but they got to improve 5-on-5. Five five. They can't just play, keep your head above water 5-on-5 five and, five and then rely on your power play. I don't care that you have Igor Shesterkin. you got to play better 5-on-5. Five and you got to spread the ice time out a little bit better. I'm not sure Babcock is that type of coach, but Fox was gassed at the end of the first round. Like he's playing 23 minutes a night, power play, PK, tw- like 18 minutes on even strength. He needs to be off to PK. Same with Mika, same with Kreider. They're good penalty killers. You need to save them for a playoff run. So Babcock's interesting. I mean, like, if you really want to send a message to the team of no more fucking excuses and a guy who's not going to take excuses, Babcock's that guy. Uh, I'm just concerned about his reputation with younger players. The one name that came out today, which is slightly different because it's not a confirmed the Rangers are going to request an interview or have requested an interview. It's just a don't be surprised based on Multiple senior-level front office executives of the Rangers have insinuated one name that's not on anybody's list that jury has significant interest in interviewing, Patrick Waugh. I saw last night Patrick Waugh did come up. Now, And I was hey, like, holy shit. <laughs> did, did, I'm, I'm assuming part of this is probably from Chris's early times in Colorado with Patrick yeah. there. But one thing they said about Patrick, and like you said, for that room, specific to certain things, they say Patrick Watt in between periods would fucking call out guys as the goalie in Colorado. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so can you imagine him as a head coach in New York? You know, like, I just wonder he gets hired how quick you get the trade requ- request coming in. Panarin will be like, fuck, fucking trade me. Get me out of here. I'm not listening to this guy. Yeah, I wonder how that works with Babcock, too, to be honest. Yeah, so I. I don't know how this plays out. I, I agree, I though. Babcock... You, you need someone. You need someone to call the remote and get guys to play accordingly and make adjustments. But on the Babcock... other end, are your guys too sensitive to take it? I don't think the guys are. I think Panarin is very much like in his feels. Like if he's down, like he can really like uh, spiral. The other guys, I'm not too concerned about as far as the veterans go. Like I'm not. Chris Kreider is a dude. He's fine. Meek is a dude. Like, I'm not worried about Trocek. Like, he's played for, like, six dozen coaches. Truba, like, I don't have any worry about that guy. The one thing with Babcock is, I would say the Rangers losing two in a row in, like, November, and then he strips him of the captaincy. (laughs) Yeah, just Um, completely go off the deep end. Yeah. So, 
I mean, the ideal coach, not necessarily for like high flying, would have been Trotz if he didn't take that Nashville job. Yep. So that would have been the guy to bring in. I know it would have been more, a little bit more boring hockey and more grinding. Um, but he's the out of the coaches available. Like, there's no coach out there. Like, when the Rangers let go of Quinn, there was a clear. We need to. We know the type of guy we need to bring in, and he's available. This time it's, eh, I mean, Laviolette, yeah, he's fine. Babcock has issues. Quenneville's suspended. Gronborg has no experience. All these assistants with no experience. Maybe, like, is Patrick Wallach in my thing? There is even some people saying, what about Bob Hartley? Bob Hartley, like, wow. And I was just like, there's, and also See, there's no interest in Daryl Sutter for the Rangers. They're not interviewing him. Yeah, that, that's another guy who uh, needs to find a new job. Daryl Sutter up there in Calgary. Bruce is Bruce Boudreaux the best? Is he the best guy available? Best of both worlds? A affable guy who's X's and O's? Uh, crazy to think. Yeah, probably. I mean, like if, if Laviolette's basically confirmed in fucking Columbus, yeah, I would say he's probably the next best one. Like he worked with Backstrom and Ovechkin all those years. Like he's not going to be intimidated by trying to massage Panarin and his uh it's not that he's like like soft it's just like he's a very mental guy so like when he's on he's on when he's off he's off so like Boudreaux has experience with that he's an offensive coach like if I don't know man if I had to choose if the option was Boudreaux or one of these quote-unquote hotshot assistants I'm taking Bruce I just haven't seen any connection with him and the Rangers just yet. But maybe after Jury meets some of these guys for the first time, he's going to be like, oh, fuck. (laughs) Uh, There's there's other things, too, that are like big question marks. And right across the way, for example, in New Jersey, Lindy Ruff's contract's up. Are they bringing back Lindy Ruff? They said they want to, but... Well, they said they want to... I would think so, but on the other end, there's other shit, too, of... They brought in Andrew Brunette to basically replace him because no one thought Ruff was going to stand the air. And then they have the air that they have. And now is Andrew Brunette going, well, fuck it. I'm still available. Get Someone give me an interview. Yeah. So maybe they're looking at it as Brunette might have six years with us and Ruff might have if we bring him back two, And we don't want to lose Brunette. Maybe. Well, yeah, I mean, if you don't want to lose Brunette, but it's like, I always think of shit like all the way through, like you take certain jobs, I hope they get in certain jobs, or you you think certain people have time limited, and then they give them another two-year contract, and you're going, you know, these fucking guys said I I was replacing this guy, and I just think it just kind of rolls downhill sometimes. Yeah, I mean, if Brunette might be a guy that the Rangers look at, he does have some head coaching experience when he took over for Quenville. That whole DUI thing is a little odd, and there's... Yeah, hanging over his head yeah. a little bit. So, I mean, everybody has baggage at this point, but um, maybe that's a guy who's a late entry if they decide to retain Ruff, um, and Brunette's looking for another opportunity. If Ruff leaves and Brunette's there, he's obviously off the table. If Ruff goes, I'm pretty sure he would have his pick of the litter. Like not saying he's like the greatest coach of all time, but among the available candidates, he's right up there. He's right at the top. Yeah. Which is cra- crazy. Um, I, can you imagine a Rangers hire him? <laughs> It'd be funny. I mean, that, that'd be a riot. 
Um, so yeah, we'll see. Uh, I mean, I don't know how deep you want to get into it. Like, I think Calgary is going to really rebound next year with Sutter gone because apparently that was dragging the whole room down. So I'm expecting a lot of bounce back from guys next year. So I don't know what coach they bring in. It's obviously going to be a player's coach. Um, yeah, I don't know, coach and or GM. I mean, the, the pettiness that they're doing currently with Brad Treveling of telling him, well, your contract is up on June 30th, so you can't interview anywhere. You need to get past that. So basically, they're withholding him from going to get other jobs on the other yeah, end. So just, uh, yeah. And, and some of the other openings, we talked about Columbus with Flavio. It basically sounds like it's, it's between uh, Pascal Vincent and LaViolette in Columbus. Um, it's going to be a player's coach in Calgary. What about Anaheim? Like, are they expecting to compete next year for a wild card spot, or are they looking for more of a developer guy? Well, my only question was, I thought Dallas there was the developer. And now that kind of yeah. seemed to completely come off the rails. And so, yeah, I don't know if now they're like, okay, well, you've had enough years of him. Now now we want a coach coach to bring it bring it back for us. So I, I'm not too sure. Like, that's an ideal spot for somebody like Leach to, like, get his feet wet, be with some young talent, like, build an identity, and go from there. And not New York. Like, first so that, go that's around. Why I was scared, uh, that's why I was scared of Gronberg for you guys, like – First time that that is a big big spot to just come right into. He just remind like I've been on his bandwagon for three years now, and everything I read about him, all the interviews I've ever seen him do, the way his teams play and respond for him over in Europe, it, I'm like I need to find the next John Cooper for the Rangers, and I feel like he's like John Cooper 2.0, like the way he manages things, his demeanor. The way the guys love him, like I'm like, God damn it, that's John Cooper. <laughs> mm. Um, so yeah. And then uh the other assistant that's up there is uh Halpern. It's getting a lot of interest. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh Halpern and then a guy what's the guy from LA Jim uh said Hillier? Hillier? The assistant there? Yeah. There was talk about him too. Maybe, I don't know. But, all right, so besides the Rangers uh, news for us, the draft lottery happened uh, late last week, and to no one's surprise, Bedard is not going to Southern California. <laughs> He's going to an original six franchise in the second or third biggest market in the entire league in, with the Chicago Blackhawks. Like you said before we started, the Blackhawks sold like $800 billion worth of season tickets as soon as they won a lottery. Um, I always think, I don't think it's rigged. I think there's some way to put some weight on some of these other teams. Like the Rangers winning two lotteries back-to-back, now the Blackhawks win this. Like it always seems to work out where to, when it's a generational talent, he ends up in a spot where he needs to be. I just mm-hmm. feel a little icky that Chicago got rewarded for that blatant tanking that they did for the last two years. Not even the blatant tanking. For me, it was the issue that they had and how they got ripped through the mud with the way they handled 
that 2010 and the video coach and everything else. Oh yeah. That little thing. <laughs> like, like that was the biggest thing to me. It was like, we go through this whole thing. I mean, coach Q gets completely kicked out of the league. It's a big mess. Bowman suspended down. And now they get the first overall pick. Yeah. Well, like, it's Chicago, baby. Like, like, I don't know. To me, that's just kind of like, you, you got to give me a fucking break there. Like, that's just, uh, now we're rewarding a team for how they acted. So now on the other end, it's, how much did Rocky Warts go in there and pay him? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing, man. If Chicago went through all this and then it ended up with like third overall, like it'd be a, t- it'd be another 10 year black hole like they had before, uh, um, McDonough and them came in and turned things around with Kane and Taves. So, they had to win this lottery. Uh, if well, that was the other thing too. Like Taves and Kane aren't going back there now. Magically, they end up with another generation. Exactly. Talent. What are the odds? It's just like the Penguins. You know, Yager and Lemieux go. They get Crosby. I'm assuming in a couple of years when Crosby retires and they tank the season after, they're going to suddenly have the first overall pick. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But what are the odds? It always works out like that. Um, Bedard. He's obviously going to make the team out of camp unless he gets hurt. He's going to make the team. They're going to keep. I think him that's at, fair to say. They're going to keep him at center. <laughs> mm-hmm. If he went to a different team, they might have moved him off center to wing. Point prediction for his rookie year. I just need to get closer to opening day to see what their actual lineup is because I don't know what they're going to get in free agency. They're going to yeah. need. They're going to need to get a meter two, just to protect the kid. Bertuzzi. Bertuzzi, yeah, I think Bertuzzi. Or you know who could be one just on a one-year deal for cheap money just to keep it going? Lucic. Yeah, he, you yeah, get a he, you get yeah. big Luch on the fucking wing down there. <laughs> the kid's at least protected. You, you get another defenseman there. Uh, yeah, let, let's get a little bit closer to what the actual lineup is, and I'll give it to you. I will say over under points over 52 and a half. Okay. I, I mean, he's going to get 20 minutes a night. First power play, like he's going to get all the time in the world to produce. Um, man, can you imagine if he turns into like Alexander Dig? <laughs> oh, just bust that! Just dude. a complete bust after all that shit. Um, I'm going to take them a massive over, even if they just give him like league average line mates, which is a huge improvement over what they had on the first line this year, but. I'll put him rookie. I'm going to give him a rookie year of the 30-30 club. 30-30. All right. Welcome to the league. Yeah. Um, other quick news, really, really quick news. Uh, word came out today that the league is going to announce the winner of the competition to purchase the Ottawa Senators by the end of this week. So we will know and the new heard, ownership group. I heard Snoop Deal Double G's in it. Oh, I ho- dude, I hope they don't give it to that ownership group. Like, I know celebrity will bring name recognition, but it's just like such fucking Mickey Mouse League shit to be like, oh, Snoop Dogg, so now we're getting attention. Fuck out of here. What about Ryan Reynolds? I mean... At least he's Canadian. He's, I was going to say, he's Canadian. Yeah, like, that makes it a little more legitimate. <laughs> um, But yeah, so we'll find out there, and hopefully Ottawa can get that whole new arena... In actually Ottawa, 
uh, situated. Um, Speaking of New Arena, allegedly today is the day of the voting for uh, if Tempe is going to accept... um, Oh yeah, the special the, ballot. The Coyotes new arena. The special ballot. Today's the day for that. Yeah, they said exit polls are showing a defeat. <laughs> and where do we go from here? They're going to dude, I've been saying it for they're going to Houston. If this vote doesn't go their way, they're moving to Houston. Like the owner in Houston wants it. The current ownership group in the Coyotes are fucking retards. Um <laughs> They can't stay in a desert like didn't can't play in Arizona State University for twenty fucking years. They're gonna go to Houston and it's gonna be mar- marketed as a natural divisional alignment because then they'll be an essential in Houston instead of the Blackhawks playing a divisional opponent all the way in Arizona. Uh, mm-hmm. And then hey, it's a natural rivalry with the Dal- da- uh, Dallas Stars. Oh yeah, right there. So, and it's the fourth biggest market in the country that the NHL isn't in. So I know it's another Sun Belt team, but hey, it works in Dallas, it works in Carolina, Nashville, Tampa. Like the the fan base is there. So, um, all right. Anything else before playoff talk I, that I'm forgetting? I I don't think so. I think we we've touched all over. All right, so let's get to the meat and potatoes of the episode. Um. Let's start with last night. Seattle, Dallas. Uh, Dallas wins game seven. They move on. An oddly disappointing end for the Kraken, even though nobody expected them to get out of the, even make the playoffs. A lot of people didn't expect them. And then nobody expected them, except for your boy, to be Colorado. Dallas against Vegas in the conference final. So two questions for you. Part one, if you're Seattle, what do you need to kind of get over this hump as a new team? and Question two, thoughts on Dallas and Vegas? Uh, As for Seattle, one of the biggest things with them was a whole team mentality. I think they had 16 different goal scorers throughout this whole playoff. Going forward, I would say they need a legitimate goal scorer. So you're not relying. Obviously, it's the playoffs. Third and fourth lines are going to tap goals in and things yeah. like that. I'm not saying you don't need that. I think they need a little bit more star power. Um, Bernier's is turning into a legitimate superstar. Uh, very visible during this whole series. Uh, I think one thing for Seattle is they've found guys who may or may not have been uh, how do I utilized or appreciated? <laughs> yes, I, I guess that's the way to do it. I mean, Illy Tolvin and uh, Nashville had him on waivers to go down the AHL. They put in a waiver claim, and I mean, uh, incredible playoff for him. They bring up the kid. H- how the hell did you say his last name? Cartite? Cartai? Cartai. I, yeah. I, I kept I, I kept fucking up the last name the whole time. I, but I, the kid I, comes in fun, and Cartier. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Yeah, for French. But um. <laughs> Another kid that came in, stepped up for him, played a great role. Very, um, I know your biggest question mark at times was Grubauer. Yep. I thought Grubauer actually was decent. Yeah. I, I thought he, he showed up to play. That second now, goal that ended up being a game winner last night was a little rough. That was rough. Yeah. Um, what a shot though, by white backhand in it right there and going roof. I yeah. mean, I know it hits him in the shoulder and it comes up, but. Wow. Um, going for Dallas and Vegas, uh, 
my biggest question mark here is does Dallas have enough firepower behind Pavelski which I don't know I mean nine goals in this series <laughs> nine goals in the series um it seemed like other people did not step up accordingly we're Sagan we're Sagan um Jamie Ben's been quiet been very quiet Ottinger got chased twice by Seattle I mean you go to Vegas who has legitimate firepower with Marsha show and Eichel and Stone I mean is that going to rattle the kid there's a chance but I will say with Audie when he played good he played good it was just when the floodgates opened a little bit a little overwhelmed on the other end too I mean I could say the same about the Vegas goaltending talk about you know that they start with Thompson they end up with Hill I mean quicks on the bench I don't know I don't even know who's playing for him Like, it's just kind of one of those crazy things. It kills me to say this. I might have to go with Dallas here. I just think um, the whole series with Seattle, Dallas played fast, fast, fast hockey, where it seemed as if to me Vegas was just trying to shut down McDavid, and they weren't playing to... I don't want to say their strengths because, you know, anytime there was a turnover, that puck ended up in the back of the net. But it was basically jump on Connor, cough the puck up, hope someone's coming that far side stretch, give it to him, and hopefully you can bury it. I mean, and part of the game plan was trying to disable Leon Dreisaitl with two broken fucking wrists. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, that was a – that handshake line. Did you see the handshake? That was very interesting. (laughs) It was very quick, and he, you know, he said something. I like Leon, man. He's a, he's a he's a very unassuming like little prick. <laughs> yeah. Um on the other end too it's like I don't think Vegas has played anyone who has the defense that Dallas does with certain players. Exactly. So I find that to be a very interesting matchup as to how they can go. But at, at looking at all this, I give coaching to Vegas. I give goaltending if Ottinger shows up to Dallas, defense Dallas, offense Vegas. And I think that the defense will pull it out here. Yeah, for me, it's almost like for Vegas, they're kind of playing with that mentality of, hey, guys, who's your goaltender? And their response is, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, we're we're going to drop five a night. Yeah, exactly. We'll put up five. So I think they have like that. It's like a weird way to be confident where it's like we can have a trash can and goal. It doesn't fucking matter, um, mm-hmm. which there's something to be said for it. And they d- definitely have the guys with that uh, ability to, to pull that off. I think it does help having Petrangelo on the back end, obviously, like basically playing 30 minutes a night. Um, yeah, for me, it's an even series with a slight edge for Dallas just because of the goaltending. Now, if Ottinger is inconsistent and then they just get a hot week from one of their three goaltenders, it's a completely different series. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it it's going to boil down to when you're looking at the bottom six, which bottom six is going has the ability, not that they're going to, but has the ability to get that one or two additional goals over the course of a six, seven game series. And I think Dallas has a little bit better forward depth where you have some young guys like Johnson, 
You have Dodonoff in your bottom six most of the time. Vegas, they're very top-heavy. And I know that was one of the criticisms that I gave them where I thought they would get knocked out pretty quickly by Edmonton. Um, but like if you're getting into a long, hard-fought series with a team like Dallas that has veteran guys like Pavelski and Ben and Sagan, they have a solid to above-average goaltender. Are you really going to rely on Brett Howden? I like Barbashev, but like, uh, like these are the guys you're going to have to rely on that chip in and help you win a series to get to the Stanley Cup. It's just hard for me to put that much faith in it. Um, oddly enough, like I just think the matchup is good for both teams, which is why it's going to go long. Yeah, I still my prediction was Dallas going to the Stanley Cup final before the playoffs started, so I have to stick with that. I'm going to go seven games, though. Another seven-game series for Dallas. I, I, I'm i on the same page with that. I think compared to the previous travel, Vegas is a lot closer to Dallas. Not as bad, not as much wear and tear. Um, I think Davis, uh, Dallas with the veteran leadership that they have, I don't think I know you don't like the coach. The Vegas... <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think they're going to fall for the Vegas flu th- yeah. this time around. I think this is a business trip. I'm going to go. They're going to split, split. So it'll be 2-2 going back to Vegas for game five. And then we'll see where it lands. I, I mean, Vegas definitely has a home ice advantage in terms of the crowd over Dallas. Dallas is a uh, good fan base, but I think Vegas is just on a different level when it comes to the in-arena, in-crowded hospitality, is how I'll put it. I will say the one thing about the Dallas arena, it it looks like, at least from the TV angles, it looks like the way that they built it, like the seats are right on top of the glass. Like, it just seems like they're right on top of it. It's like old, that old Jules really Arena. Bad, yeah, that or just a really bad camera angle that they give it from. But it always looks like they're right on top of you. No, so it's it's uh, the first bowl is steeper than usual, which is why when you see the crowd stand, they kind of cover up almost the entire uh, near glass. So mm-hmm. it's kind of built like it reminds me of Joe Louis Arena, where you used to see like when the Red Wings were going on a decade long run, whenever the crowd was like up, you could barely see the ice surface. Yeah, so, all right, so we both have Dallas going to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, moving to the east, so Carolina made quick work of the Devils, which I was like, in that preview, I was like, watch Carolina just light up this fucking kid that shut the Rangers out, and they ran him. Like, ran him hard out of that series. Uh, yeah. So, wasn't even close. Um, and then Florida knocks off Toronto. Almost a sweep. Toronto savaged some 5% respectability and honor by not getting swept. Uh, we both felt a little uneasy about going with Toronto because of how they reacted to winning one round. And they kind of looked like they were just happy to be there. And Florida fucking chewed them up and spit them out. And Kachuk's con Smythe uh, path is very clear if he gets past Carolina. So we have... I mean, same thing out West, basically an NHL Sunbelt conference final. Carolina versus Florida. Who you got? See, uh, 
internally, my body is telling me Florida, and it's not even a question. But there's something about this fucking Carolina team, man. Like, they, they don't go away. And even with the injuries and certain people out and injured, they dominated Jersey. Yeah. Jersey didn't get a sniff. And it didn't matter if it was Freddie Anderson or Antti Ranta in that. Didn't matter. Now, the other part of it is I'm with you where Florida absolutely trashed Toronto. And another thumping the other way. And my thing here, I I think it's going to come down to toughness. And I think Florida is playing at a level right now of they can come in and bully whoever they want. And I think this time of the year, coming in and doing that, you're going to win games. And I don't trust Ronta. Freddie Anderson has not been the Freddie Anderson of past. Playoff Bob is fucking out of his mind right now. (laughs) I I don't trust Bob, but currently I don't know who he is. I'm like, who is this guy? Who's this guy, Sable Puck? This is me, Bob. (laughs) And like, it's just what it seems like. So I, I, right now, I can't bet against them. I am going with the Florida Panthers, and I think it's going to be five games, six at most. Ooh, all right. So I am of a similar mindset when it comes to thinking about the matchup. Like my my gut says uh Florida just because they've been basically playing a playoff since December because of how bad their start was. They knock off the Bruins. They make quick work of Toronto. And now they're playing Carolina, who is a better overall team than Toronto, but not as formidable, if that makes sense. Like, you don't have to worry. Mm -hmm. Basically, you have to worry about Ajo and a a lot of, like, solid above-average role players. If you shut Ajo down especially if stretching the cough out, like you probably have a decent chance of winning that game, like more than a decent chance. I don't like the goal. I think the goaltending is kind of even for me. I mean, who would have thought that the final four starting goaltenders at the end of, at the beginning of the season would be Bobrovsky, Ottinger, whoever the fuck is in goal for Vegas and the combo of Ronta and Freddie Anderson. <laughs> no Vasilevsky, no Shesterkin, no Hellebuck. Uh, nobody like that. It's just these four guys who have basically were written off for the most part, except for Ottinger, it's just been inconsistent. Um, I think it's going to be a much longer series than you, only because Carolina has been here, done that. They're not happy to be here like Toronto, and they don't have the weight of the world's expectations on their shoulders, especially if it gets into a deeper series like Boston had. I think they're very comfortable in this matchup. Brindamore, top three coach in the league, top four coach in the league. He's going to find ways. The home ice is definitely in Carolina's favor. Uh, My gut says Florida. My brain says Carolina. That's how even of a matchup I have it. I think this is also going seven games. 
I'm going to go Carolina in seven. All right. Now, who do you have for uh, game seven? Who's their starting goalie? I'll say this. Whoever starts game one, it's going to be the other guy. The other guy. All right. That's fair. (laughs) And for Dallas and Vegas, game seven goalie for Vegas is going to be quick. Okay. If I'm listen, if it's push or shove, it's game seven with a chance to go to Stanley Cup final, and my three options are what Vegas has. I'm gonna take a swing at lightning in the bottle with a guy who has proven he knows how to win a Stanley Cup. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But I'm not gonna get my season ended with a two-time Stanley Cup champion goaltender on my bench. I'm just thinking, uh. I know Matthew Kachuk has been a menace to society and continued his Con Smythe uh, possibility here. I'm going to go for this round, Con Smythe winner, just for this round, Eastern Conference Final, Sam Bennett. Yeah, dude's been a fucking... Him, Montour, and Kachuk have basically been carrying Florida. Where's Barkov? Where's Ekblad? Well, that's the thing. It, it, God forbid they show up. Yeah. I think Verhage is, I mean, he's had a good playoff run already, so has Bennett. I think Verhage is going to have a, another great series. All right, so I guess for Carolina. I think big wild card in Teravinen. What are you going to get when he comes back? Uh, Aho has been Aho, which I like. Morning, Natchez um, has been good. Natchez is good. And I mean, surprisingly, well, I don't, I don't want to say surprisingly just off the name, but... Uh, Brett Burns has been pretty good as well. Yeah. You know what? No, I'm going to go Con Smythe. He's the conference final. Best player in the series for the winning team. I'm going to go Jack Jury. How about that? Jack Jury. All right. Out in the West for Dallas, I'm going to go... Um, you know what? I'm going to ride with my boy Onger. I think he's going to turn it around. I'm riding Pavelski at this point now, and I know it's still foreshadowing or anything else, but if there's someone I think deserves a cup, I'd say it's Pavelski. Can you imagine if he scores another nine in this round? (laughs) If he scores another nine, I mean, it'd be crazy. Uh, So Stanley Cup final matchup would be for you, Dallas versus Florida. Yep. And for me, it would be Dallas versus Carolina. Now I know, Either of those matchups for hockey fans is pretty good matchups. Like solid, ma- it's not as tasty as Tampa Bay versus Colorado was, but it's a good matchup for ESPN. Well, TNT since the other one's broadcasting a cup, that is a disaster. <laughs> uh, uh, on the other end, though, it doesn't matter anyways because on ESPN it'll just be a ten o'clock start. You won't even know hockey's playing. Oh my god! Thank you for reminding me. That's what I wanted to talk about. Can you believe a 10 p.m. Game 7 start on a fucking Sunday night? for the? This is why the NHL is a shit show when it comes to growing the sport and marketing their guys. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, 1-2 or 1-3 for players amongst the league. The only game in the NHL that, that night, NBA playoffs are over. By the afternoon, there's no football, and you have a 10 p.m. start. Nobody watched the fucking game. 
Oh, and um, just to throw out there too, that they missed the first three goals of the game because they started it late for a Sunday night baseball game that was being a complete blowout. They couldn't end oh, Sunday yeah, night Red baseball. Sox Cardinals or something. It was like, are you fucking kidding me? Well, like, so the reason why it was explained that I read today was because the game was on ESPN and ESPN, they have to broadcast Sunday night. Uh, no, baseball tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern. And then they have to broadcast the Sunday night baseball game. That's why the game was slated to start at 10. But then why doesn't ESPN broadcast the game at fucking three? Or, I mean, I, I hate to say it, it sounds crazy. Don't you have an ESPN2 to start it at start time and you could switch back over after? Well, why? There's, 20, it's, there's it's only... 27 ESPN channels. There's fucking 27 of them. Why would you do that, Kevin? It's a mid-May baseball game between two last-place teams. And, well, you know, that's my fault. That's my fault. How why dare would you I? Wanna, why would you... You just spent a billion dollars for this product. Why would you want to market it and get the best player in the world in front of more eyeballs? Oh, so speaking of... Uh, baseball and not mattering. I haven't watched a baseball game this year. I'm not, I'm not going to deny that fact. I've the watched other day, Yankees, going... but it's been it's been a tough go. <laughs> uh, I, I, I haven't watched any. I couldn't tell you who's in first. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you anything. The other day, I said, "Fuck it." I was looking at some Celtics bets. I open up. I see baseball. They had all these games lined up. I put two dollars on a. I think it was a nine game parlay of baseball just over unders hit for a hundred bucks just i haven't watched the game like yeah this one over <laughs> under over under went through the whole thing i i couldn't believe it i was like your boy got it you're like i just i chose this team because i like the team colors <laughs> yeah legit i was like i haven't seen a game this year i mean and this was the day before i picked it so i didn't even know who was pitching didn't do it like didn't process any of that i'm sitting there going all right what are the odds um. Uh, yeah, I can't believe the 10 p.m. start. Thanks for reminding me on that one. And then another thing with ESPN: Can we please stop trying to make Bob Wachusen a fucking thing for play-by-play? He sucks. Not as bad as Leah Hextall, but apparently they combined it too. So it's Leah Hextall between the benches, and then Brian Boucher is stuck with Bobby. As play by play, every time he talks or goes through a play, he screams his fucking head off. Like watch and watch the, the game seven just, highlights between Edmonton, uh, uh, game six highlights between Edmonton and uh, Vegas, and just listening to the play by play guy. There could be a cross size pass through the seam in the offensive zone, and he goes, "McDavid, shut the fuck up, dude! Just call the game." sucks yeah my, my other thing too and obviously i know certain people are uh liable to work for certain networks and things like that but i'm not the biggest leah hextall fan I, I do love certain, false. i love certain people within the craft but i'm saying like i understand jackie redmond works for nhl network but yet again you're growing the game one of your best sideline reporters should be running the sideline we need Kaplan uh, back. I mean, I like Emily Kaplan. I think she does a good job. I like Emily Kaplan, um, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, like, tap. Br- bring back tap. Are you kidding me? Like, legitimately, best in the biz. Bring back tap. Yep. 
Leah Hextall is brutal. Like, just probably one of the worst play-by-play announcers, male or female, I have ever heard in hockey my entire life. Like, that's how bad it is. Um, yeah. So, all right. I'm trying to think. There was one more thing that came to mind when you brought up the old 10 p.m. start. Oh, yeah. So they're saying that they might change up the ESPN studio crew and not have Messier and Chelios back. They want to focus on Subban. I mean, good good for them if that's the way that they're going. I mean, I, was like, Holy I fuck, would man. just... I would just rather, I mean, if they're going for a personality, Sean sure. Avery. Bring Sean Avery but, in. <laughs> well, I think, I think Sean scares them a little bit because you don't know what you're getting. <laughs> but I do think, like, yet again right now, for example, and I know other people really don't want to do it because it's end of the season. They're probably out partying. But, like, you want to bring in or show the game? Where's David Pasternak? In between periods. Where's Connor McDavid? Where's Mitch Marner? Where's Austin Matthews? You want to grow the game? Bring the best guys in here to talk about the game. And, th- and yet again, I understand their season just ended. Yeah, not they're every all night, probably down in Cabo. Yeah, but they're all probably down in Cabo, blown off steam. But you could get one of these guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you could split it throughout the series. I mean, you know, seven games. Like, you could go through, hey, you work this night, you work this night, blah, blah, blah grow the game. These guys have style. They dress accordingly. I, I think it would be great for fans to see them in a different light. But yet again, and it's nothing against Chelios or Mess. They're great. They're old school kind of guys. And I think for relatability, you need to be an old school hockey fan to relate to them. But if you're trying to hit a new market in a new play, I mean, I, I don't think those are the guys that you want. And if you had the other question is and Chelios, which one would you keep? I go Messier for actual analysis. Okay. And is it true that he's getting an interview too? I heard, you know, you, you got to go with Captain Ranger for an interview if there's an open candidacy. If they, if they hire Mark Messi as head coach, I'm going to fucking gouge my eyeballs out with a fork. <laughs> like, I love him, but no. All right. Well, one All last right. question for you. Yeah. In Toronto. Yes. Well, I guess it's a two question. Is Kyle Dubas GM on opening night? Well, did you see what he said? He said, um, I'm GM in Toronto or nowhere else next year. So basically he's already proclaiming whatever it is he's doing. I think he's out. And it's not for the work he did this year with the team because he did bring in a team that had the capability of winning. I just believe that at this point, he needs to think outside of the box to become better and for the team to become better. And I think that there's certain things that he's not willing to sell on. And whether it's that top four the top five, if you add Riley into that mix, like he needs to do something. He needs to get them cap relief. 
And it's been X amount of years we've talked about this now, and nothing has still happened. So I believe that, yes, they will bring in a different GM. So I guess that I have my answer for question two. Sheldon Keefe, is he the head coach on opening night? If Dubis is there, yes. If Dubis is not, no. Okay. I ask that because the Rangers haven't really made a huge move on coaches yet. They've reached out. They've had some feelers. Like Columbus has already interviewed people. Anaheim's interviewed people. Like things are going to start moving here pretty soon, um, especially once there's off days between the Stanley Cup um, and you can make announcements a little bit. I Some of the rumor going around is that the reason why the Rangers aren't moving too fast is because they're waiting to see how the Toronto situation resolves. Because the belief around the Rangers is that Pittsburgh wants Dubas. And if they bring in Dubas, he's going to want to let go of Sullivan, and then the Rangers will be all over Sullivan for head coach. Which I, I think Sully, who was an assistant in New York forever, he'd go back in a heartbeat. And I think, yeah, so I think, I mean, he's the perfect fit, to be like to be honest. Yeah, he's a little bit of a hard ass, but he's not like a show me hard ass. He's just doing it to be an asshole. And he's a great strategy coach. I can't foresee, one, Dubis going to Pittsburgh with an aging roster and a bare bones prospect pool. And then t- being the guy to have to tell Crosby like, Hey, it's over. <laughs> uh, and I also don't see Pittsburgh willingly letting go of Sullivan, knowing she's going to go right to a division rival. Well, well, that's the other thing. They still haven't made a GM decision in Honestly, they said, uh, you know, Sully's futures in that new GM's decision, which I think if that new GM comes in and he gets rid of Sullivan, he's an idiot. That's just my personal yeah, opinion. Yeah, you got to cue Sully. <laughs> the, S- Sully will be hired by the time he walks out that door. <laughs> uh, legitimately, like, if they fucking call and they said, hey, you know, Sully just got fired, he calls his agent. By the time he cleans out his office and he is walking out the door with the box, his phone will say, where do you want to go? X, Y, and Z want to hire you. Like this talk that they're uh, possibly going to interview. Uh, what's it? What's his name from Arizona? Just basically quit on the team. The GM. Oh yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm blanking on his name, but they're like, he might be the new ownership group might have an interest in interviewing him. I'm like, Really? <laughs> so, anyway, I just wanted to ask about Toronto because that's the far-fetched idea, but, you know, crazier things have happened. And if Sully's on a loose, I think Jury's waiting outside of Penguins headquarters and offering him a ride to the airport and be like, hey, listen, I have an t- extra ticket back to New York. What do you say? Yeah. Hey, friend. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. We'll see. I think in the next uh, seven to ten days, there's going to be some legitimate movement uh, for the Rangers and pretty much for every team that's looking to hire a coach. We're going to see some movement there that we'll get into. And then I think the next time we'll talk is our Stanley Cup final preview. So yeah, yeah a little crazy, a little crazy. And then it's heading. 
a little mental break, and then off-season time. Yeah, and we're already restructuring rosters. I love it. Yep. <laughs> so, all right, man. I Oof. I wish it was Rangers Bruins conference final, but maybe next year. There's always next year, right, pal? Yep. Sons of bitches. Well, hey, <laughs> catch y'all next week. <laughs>